0: What's up, everybody? Here on a Tuesday. Lots to talk about since the Sandbox is back. What's going on?
1: On a Tuesday. So going on? <laughs> wow, that's a good song. That's a good song. Had to, to put that up there. All right. all
0: right. So it was a good weekend for Steve. Um, great weekend for all of us, actually, uh, in the NFL world. Um, so we'll just kick it off with uh, our usual segment, um, Impress disappoint steve you want to kick it off
1: yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna have to go with the hype on this one and i have to say that my most impressive player is is daniel jones um in his debut i wouldn't have expected the game to go that way and the way that he carried himself throughout the game he just showed he showed me some things and he showed me some things he needs to work on and i feel like that's encouraging because like he is a rookie but the things that he did right, I feel like, were, were very important. And that was, like, his accuracy and his decision-making. I feel like those two things were, like, really top-notch and better than most rookies. Um, what would you have to say about my most, imp- most impressive player?
0: Yeah, dude he, dude, he kicked ass. I mean, in those situations, down 15 points or more, Eli was, like, 0-40. And, and now Daniel Jones is 1-0. So you know what I mean? I don't know. I just feel like he gave them a lot of juice, dude. He he wasn't shying away from the moment, and it just just looked like he belonged there. It looked like they all knew he belonged there, and it's it's hopeful. It is hopeful.
1: Yeah, like I said, uh, there, there's some things he needs to work on, and that's definitely ball security. Um, he was he was getting rushed. Uh, Nate Nate Solder didn't didn't have too good of a game. Uh, Shaq Barrett was rushing the pass so like crazy. I think he had four sacks, and. Um, we, we know that, that we can't turn the ball over as a, as a quarterback, so he definitely needs to work on that. But those two rushing touchdowns he had uh, adds a different element to, to the offense. I agree. I agree. And who disappointed you this week? Um, my disappointing team would definitely have to be the Eagles. How can you let the Detroit Lions come into your house and you lose a game? I know you're banged up. I know there were some plays that, that could have went uh, different ways, such as, like, Nelson Aguilar's drop. Um, Casa Wentz, I think he's playing good, but the team is just banged up, like I said. I, I thought that they were going to be a top NFC East team, but it looks like the Cowboys are really standing out. I know they haven't really played anyone too crazy yet, and it's still early, um, but I'm thinking with with. Daniel Jones stepping up to the plate like he did, and maybe the Eagles looking like this. Maybe the Giants really could compete um, for the long term of the season. But what do you you think you had um, for disappointment?
0: For me, uh, well, first off, I'm going to start with my uh, impressive. uh, I I just want to say Jacoby Brissett, man. I'm (laughs) all in. Straight (laughs) completions. Uh, I think he tied or broke the Colts record. 310 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, got the big completions when they needed them late in the game. Um, even though the Falcons came back, man, what more can I say? They they just looked really good. No Darius Lennon, no Malik Hooker. Now we know Malik Hooker's out for four to six weeks. Um, but yeah, dude, he's that he's that dude. He's getting paid fifteen million dollars and it looks like that contract's an absolute steal. Uh, but for the disappointment, I have to go with Seattle. Uh, how do you let a Drew Breesless Saints? Um Beat you at home, which kind of went to my point about our argument the other day about how Brees has had some really good teams. Yeah, yeah. But you know what I mean. I just couldn't believe that they they got absolutely ramshackled in Seattle
1: by Teddy Bridgewater. But I mean, hey, like you said last week, that the Saints are there to stay. Yeah, no, I I think the Saints are there to stay. And just going going to what you had to say about Brissett. Um, I know I know you def saw Ty get banged up. What what are we hearing for for his injury?
0: Uh, they said he he was hesitant to um, declare himself available for next week, so they have no no ideas yet. But if he's going to be out, it, it'll be next week, and then he should be good to go after that. But it's a quad injury, so we'll see.
1: We'll see. He's hopeful to play, but as of right now, it's up in the air. Lou, it, it's nice to see Brissett and, and T.Y. build this kind of relationship because we know how hurt T.Y. was when, when Luck decided to retire. Um, so maybe you thought that a, a disappointment, disappointing season was going to come out of TY but but seeing the Colts win win some games with the help of those two together is is encouraging but Kev why don't you chime in here what do you have for um an impressive and disappointing reflection on week 3 yeah so um
2: so for my impressive player um and Steve I I definitely put Daniel Jones kind of in my final decision but I figured a lot of people would would have him this week so I wanted to switch it up and i'm sure a lot of people have this guy too but my my impressive player is mike evans and obviously he had a big week everyone knows that and you know if you know mike evans you know he does he has games like this probably once or twice a year every season he just puts up ridiculous numbers and you know his stat line was good. He caught for three touchdowns, but the thing that impressed me more was the eight catches for 190 yards. That's you know that's almost 25 yards per catch, and you know I don't care who you're playing. You know that's that's still impressive. So he he definitely he definitely got my vote for the most impressive. As far as most disappointing, I went with the Cardinals, and I know the Cardinals are you know middle of the pack team. You know kind of hard to disappoint slash surprise us but against a team like the Panthers without Cam Newton to lose by, to lose by almost 20 points is there's no excuses for it and I was just expecting a, a better game out of them I thought it was going to be a pretty close game maybe like you know six seven
1: point game at most but that was that was really disappointing for me
0: 100 percent
1: Kevin, it was nice to see Mike Evans' name be be in the media for having a big game because he was kind of quiet up to this point. Uh, I do have to say, though, the Giants' pass defense is the worst in the NFL. And Janoris Jenkins, it didn't even look like he was a factor in the game. It really looked like the Giants were playing with 10 defensive players. So Mike Evans was capitalizing on this matchup all day. And just like you said, Mike Evans will have one or two games a year where he does go off like this, and he's talked about as a top five receiver in the league, which he should be because he's that type of a talent. But until the Bucks get a, a better guy at quarterback, I don't see him being consistently in that conversation. Um, but yeah, that's but true. since we're on since we're on Evans, let, let's just uh, address something else that happened in that Bucks Giants game, and that's Saquon Barkley. You know that uh, he tweaked his ankle. Um, they, they said four four to eight weeks for, for the high ankle sprain. I think he's going to be more on the, the earlier side. Uh, the Giants, I definitely think he's out this week. He's, I think he's out the following week as well because that's a quick turnaround game uh, Thursday night football against the Pats, which I'm very disappointed that I'm going to and I won't be able to see him play. Um, but if Daniel Jones can really keep what he has going – and Saquon can kind of get into the mix around week six or seven. You know, I think that would be really encouraging. But what do you have to say about uh, Saquon's injury, Lou?
0: Honestly, I think it's kind of a good thing. I mean, I don't think they were going anywhere. I think it would just be him running his legs out. And now we get to see Daniel Jones be more Daniel Jones. I just feel like it can't hurt Daniel Jones to have him out, like, in the long run. I think we'll get to see him throw downfield more. i will have to make more um, – quick decisive throws he won't have that safety valve out of the backfield um I know it's, it's tough for them I mean that is a big blow when you lose someone like that but I think just for his development I think that's huge and I think it's like you said I think it'll be on the earlier side but I wouldn't doubt that they just be precautionary and just rest their franchise player
1: no they're very much good and and if that's the case uh the Giants bye week is is week 11 So, if they really do want to be precautionary, they could hold him out until after that. Because if if they could uh, eight weeks, this week's about to be week four, and then he can't come back week 11. So, week 12 would would be the time. Um, But I think when Saquon does come back, he's going to be a beast. You know, I'm hanging on to him in my fantasy leagues because I think if I can can scratch away uh, six wins, I think six wins gets you in the playoffs in fantasy football. Um, if if you can get there, then he's the best player to have coming around your team at that time. And in the meantime, I, I guess you can pick up uh, Wayne Gallman. I'm not big on him. We've had Wayne Gallman and Paul Perkins come in and, and try and be the starting backs before Saquon was there, and it just really didn't work out. So I expect the Giants to, to reach out to, to a couple of guys and, and maybe bring in somebody like a C.J. Anderson or a Jay Ajayi those players, if they do end up coming in, need to know that when Saquon is bad, their role, their role is going to be very limited.
0: I, I agree. Kev, Kev, do you think it's a positive or a, or, a, or a minus for Daniel Jones and his growth to not have Saquon
2: at the um, beginning? Yeah, so I think, Lou, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think as far as, as Daniel Jones' growth, and kind of you know letting him develop the next few weeks, it's obviously a good thing for him, like you said, not really anyone to hand it off to kind of forces them to to throw the ball more. but I think just I think for the giants itself it's it's a little bit it's a little bit of both I mean, you know it's a high ankle sprain, not the worst thing that could happen, but then again, ankle sprains are those type of injuries that a lot of running backs you know get you know over and over again once once they get the initial one and and that's the only thing that really worries me not that a sprained ankle is anything serious but it's kind of one of those mini injuries that kind of keeps recurring so I think they should definitely be you know cautious with you know how quick they get him back on the field especially where he's so young you know you don't want to you don't want to rush him back now and have him have you know problems down the line but. The the good thing is, I mean, and Steve, I hate to say this. It's not like the Giants were, you know, really going anywhere. They weren't really a contender. So, as far as, you know, what it does for, you know, the team and the fan base, I think, you know, yeah, it, it sucks not seeing them on the field for the next four to eight weeks. But at least it's not, you know, a season – it's not a season ruiner, you know. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I – um so – I think, I think it definitely could be a lot worse. Like you said, it could be a torn ACL. It could be a torn Achilles that would affect more than just this year. So I could definitely take a serviceable high ankle sprain that injury certainly is going to linger throughout the season. Even if the giants were competing at week 12 or so, if that's when he was to come back. Um, I I think it would be in in a different role than it would be at right now in the season. Uh, Like you said, the, the Giants just aren't a, a good football team, and there's, there's nothing that you can really do about that. But since we're talking about a bad football team, why don't we just get into another team that, that's kind of underperforming this year, and that's Cleveland. Uh, one and two record. Got a couple of tough games coming up. Lou, start us off with Cleveland.
0: Yeah, I mean, it honestly all starts with, like, Freddie Kitchens. Like, my one critique of them, like, coming into the season, was I don't trust a first-year head coach. Who's never been a head coach and who was a coordinator for a season. The guy was the running back's coach to start last season, and now he's a head coach. You see, his play calls just weren't there. Like he he said that, like he he knew he he messed up, but like it takes more than that. I mean, Baker didn't look great. He he kinda rolls out too much and kind of gives up on some plays. He hasn't been greatly accurate, and the online hasn't protected him a ton. So I just feel like it's a lot of stuff at once. Like, I feel like people jumped the gun on uh how good they are, but I do think it's it's hopeful for them. You get through a tough stretch of games, you figure out the play calling, the pass protection. Baker's gonna get roughed up a little bit, but he'll have some growing pains. He hasn't even played a full season yet. And I think they'll string together some wins at the end of the season because their schedule does get easier. But like you said, the next few weeks are just absolutely brutal.
1: Yeah, Lou, I actually have the games here right in front of me. So we have we have Cleveland at one and two. And the bye week comes in at week seven. So the next three weeks, weeks four, five, and six, they're at Ravens, at 49ers, and then home versus Seattle. And then after their bye week in week seven, they play the Pats. So honestly, I see them losing every single one of those games, and that would leave them at halfway in the season, one in, what, seven? Yeah,
0: just about. I mean, if they, and like I say, even if they squeak one out, they're two and six. So it's like, <laughs> that is that the best you're hoping for?
1: Yeah, and and if they are two and six, that's beating what the uh, undefeated 49ers team. I know I talked bad about them like uh, all off season. I addressed I addressed this in a previous episode, but you know they 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 are playing good, and they'll get Tevin Coleman back. Um, obviously, Jarek McKinnon's down for the rest of the year, but as those young wide receivers get to develop. And, and Kittle starts to be the player that he is, you know, that that really isn't an easy game, um, and, and they do have an easier stretch after week eight, um, but they'll still have a couple of division games. You know, Pittsburgh isn't going to be a, a tough game. You see that they're, they're, they're 0-3, and I think a lot of the 0-3 teams, you can kind of stick a fork in. Um, the Jets are 0-3. There's a there's a couple of other winless teams on here that I really think are all done, like the Broncos, the Dolphins, the Bengals, but I don't know. That's just something that we'll have to monitor throughout the next coming weeks. But being under 500 at halfway point in the season, seeing all those at, uh, egos with Odell and Jarvis and, and Baker himself, you know, it's going to be really interesting to watch.
0: Kevin, do you think there's any hope for, for Cleveland coming into the end of the season or, or do you <coughs> think they're, they're still Cleveland?
2: No. So, and uh, so it's tough with the Cleveland Browns because, you know, there there was a lot of hype coming into the season, you know, with Baker Mayfield, obviously them acquiring OBJ. And, you know, they have a, they have a good, they have a good young offense. But the thing, the thing with the Browns is, you know, the Browns were so bad for, you know, most of our lifetime that there's no really, you know, there's only going up from here. So, I mean, I I tend to think that obviously there's some hope and, and like I said they do have you know a young athletic good you know core of offensive players like you said they got Landry OBJ you know Nick Chubb obviously Baker Mayfield like they have a good offense and you know it's it's disappointing to see them um, you know playing like this but then again what do you expect from you know a team that's played 3 games together and is this young and and this talented and obviously I know egos come into play and stuff but I think I think that stuff they'll just learn on the fly and kind of learn from being around each other more I mean we're talking about this but it's still only week 3 we have to realize you know and even if the even if the Browns do only win you know 4 or 5 even if they win 6 7 that's that's still an impressive year for them just because of how bad they've been and if they can get Hot and even if they lose, you know, a couple games, the couple of these upcoming games by, you know, a touchdown or, or whatever, it'll at least give the fans some hope that you know, may, maybe they could make the jump next year. But I think there's definitely hope. I think people are writing them off early. I don't think they're gonna, you know, win a Super Bowl or anything like that. But I think, you know, I, I think they'll start turning it around and kind of learn to gel with each other more.
1: Kev, okay, yeah. I gotta respectfully disagree with that. Yeah. Um, I I don't think that the Browns have a lot of time with this nucleus of players uh, to kind of just sit around and wait for, for the wins to start generating. I think, I think Lou is right about Freddie Kitchen. He doesn't really know how to make this split in the offense with getting everyone the ball and being able to run systematic plays. It, it just... Baker Mayfield seems like he's throwing the ball better outside of the pocket, and, I, and nobody knows if that's from design or if that's from the offensive line just being so horrible. Um, I think that <laughs>
0: – They ran a draw on fourth <laughs> and nine.
1: It, it, it's crazy. It, it really is. And I, I just think that they have a lot of young guys, and their nucleus is very promising. And I know they are the Browns. They, they don't have uh, a lot in, in football – history to to look to look at besides maybe Jim Brown but um I I don't know their expectations and what they were talked about all all offseason was just so high it was it was Super Bowl standards and all the players were talking about it and I just I don't think even seven wins is, is enough to satisfy so I think people would lose their jobs over a season like that
0: oh de- oh definitely and, and now moving on to our people that could be losing their jobs um I didn't have this on the on the game plan but. I think there's two QB controversies that we have to look out for. Um, Carolina with Cam Newton and uh, Minshew and Nick Foles. I mean, I hate to say it, but now with the salary cap and injuries, and we've seen both of those quarterbacks injured multiple times now, is there a reason for both teams to hold on to them if they have cheap, consistent backups? What do you guys think? Uh,
1: So I – honestly think that cam is so banged up that he's going to end up being shut down for the year i don't know if it's his shoulder i don't know if it's his foot i don't know if his head's straight but how he just came into the season he didn't look good and the fact that kyle allen can come in and and make carolina score 38 points i don't know it it was just like it was really astonishing to be honest so i don't i don't think that there's going to be quarterback controversy there because Cam is held to such a standard around the league, and I know the media talks about him for missing throws and not being a necessarily typical uh, quarterback. But I think I think Cam will get a, a fair shot. But Foles, on the other hand, I'm sure if if he has the the history that that Cam kind of built for himself. I know Foles is a Super Bowl MVP, but we've seen Foles be in this kind of spotlight before when. He went to the Rams, and he didn't really do anything with his opportunity. You know what I mean? Um, so I think if Minshew can, can win games for, the, for like, uh, for the next couple of weeks, and Foles is going to come back around, like, week 12 or so, I think they might just say, you know what, Nick, like, why don't we just worry about you, t- like, next season? And let's just see what, like, this kid is. So this way they can either trade one for, for some draft capital, or they just decide – to keep them both, and maybe Minshew just takes the back seat again, because, I mean, he wasn't really a known quarterback before that. I think Foles could definitely play another year, and he could back up without it being too much of a, a topic. But I think that there would always be controversy if that was the case.
0: That's true. The only reason I say it is uh, he's getting paid – Foles getting paid $14 million. And let's be honest, if Minshew plays well, how much better would Foles play than that? I really don't think he would. Uh, Kev, do you – who do you think's more likely to lose their job first cam or Foles, i mean lose their job with their team this season
2: so i gotta agree with steve i think i think cam newton i think i would assume is the set in stone you know quarterback for the carolina panthers and you know steve touched upon you know obviously we could tell something's wrong with cam whether it's physically or whatever but i think like like you said steve he's held to such a standard. And he's built such a you know resume and reputation for himself that it would be kind of hard to think that a guy like Kyle Allen would kind of just come in and step in and and take his role. You know, when they went sixteen and zero and made it to the Super Bowl that year, I mean Cam was on another planet. You know what I mean? So we've seen his upside, and you know Cam's a physical guy. You know he he gets injured, and you know it's going to keep happening. That's just the type of football he plays. But I think. I think, as far as you know, with their specific team, Cam Newton definitely, I feel, has his more unlocked than Nick Foles. <coughs> but I do agree with you too, Lou, that you know, Nick Foles, you know, has had an opportunity before, and like you said on the Rams, he didn't, he didn't fulfill it, you know, like they thought he would. It, and Minshew is good, and he's been playing good, and you know, yeah, he's, you know, maybe not been the most. Heard of quarterback, but I mean the Jaguars gonna do what's best for them, and you know, I think depending on you know the next few weeks how how uh, Minshew continues to play will have a big factor in that role. But I definitely I definitely could see Foles losing his job before Cam Newton.
0: Do you guys think? I think the biggest X factor with it all is, again, if you're the Panthers and Cam continues to be banged up, he's getting mil a year, and you have another guy behind Allen. Um, so if, so if, if if he does play well and you do say, Cam, I'll see you later, they still have Will Greer behind um, behind Allen. So it's not like – I just feel like that's a big factor too. When you have a backup to your backup that you think could be okay, I think that's a game changer that, that they don't have in in uh, Jacksonville.
1: I. I think this kid Allen is really creating an opportunity for himself. If he continues to play games like this and keeps the Panthers in contention, I mean, if the Panthers were to go 500 with him, I think the Falcons will finish right around there. I mean, it really only seems like Matt Ryan's going to win home games for the rest of the season. So if that's the case, and Kyle Allen only won home games, then, I mean, they both see each other – and whether they face each other and the division ranks itself, or that's just from beating other teams, you know, I I think he can either have a spot on the Panthers or another team. You know, the Dolphins don't have a great quarterback situation. Rosen looked okay against the Cowboys. He looked more encouraging than not, but there's definitely like some franchises uh, around the league that can use a guy like him.
0: Yeah, he, he, dude, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if he, if he keeps it up, there's real controversy in Carolina. There really is. Because it's not the same owner anymore. It's not the same owner that brought Cam in there. And they're not the same owner from his MVP season. So there is zero emotional attachment to him. And Ron Rivera could be on the hot seat too. So
1: Cam might go with him. Nah, he, he very much could. Luke, why don't we um, just change this quarterback conversation into how awesome Christian McCaffrey looked. Uh, he really seems to be the best running back in the league right now, no? Um, he's top
0: three for me. I mean, Kamara looked unbelievable. And uh, on McCaffrey, he just broke the uh, record for most receiving yards by a Panthers running back of all time. Uh, 1,650 yards. Uh, D'Angelo Williams had the record. Wow. And he's done that in, what, three seasons? Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Yeah, dude, he he's a, he's a freak, dude. He, you, there's no way anybody can t- take him out of the top two or three running backs in the league, and um, good for anybody who has him in fantasy, man. That guy is an absolute horse.
1: I know. Uh, he, I mean, people were probably talking about taking him number one in, in fantasy leagues before uh, the season came around, and people would have thought they were crazy for taking him over like a Saquon or, or even a Zeke or even Kamara, as you said. Um, but it looks like no matter who you took besides Saquon, that it's really going to work out for you. KeV, is he,
0: is he the best running back in the league in your eyes? Dual
2: threat? Um, yeah, I think it's tough. I mean, I think obviously well, now that Saquon's hurt, but even Zeke and Kamara and Saquon, it's hard to separate those four. You know, it really is on any given week. Any one of them can be the best running back in the league. So it's kind of hard, but I mean, he's definitely, yeah, he's, he's in the conversation. I, I really, I couldn't really tell you my honest opinion of who the best running back in the league is right now. I think that's how good all these guys are playing, but um, he's, he's in, he's in the conversation is all I can say, which is, which is a good thing. So.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. You, you can't, you can't take him out of that. No way. He's so good with the ball. Once he gets an open space, just a workhorse. And um, that's going to conclude uh, another great episode. I mean, we're just getting better and better, guys. I don't know what to say.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it just gets more fun every episode that we do. And and when we get the feedback from, from all of our listeners, it, it's encouraging. It makes us seem like we're doing a good job. So thank you guys for listening. Oh, yeah. Thank you, guys. Love you all. <laughs>
2: Taco Tuesday.